Good morning. This is Long Island Morning Edition on 88.3 WLIW-FM, heard in Western Suffolk on 96.9 FM. I'm Michael Mackey. It's become tradition to tip someone who's provided good service or gone above and beyond with these rewards historically being given voluntarily to people like restaurant waitstaff, bartenders, taxi and valet drivers, food deliverers, barbers, and hairstylists. But there's a new tipping culture taking hold that's causing many on Long Island and beyond to reach their tipping point. They perceive it as aggressive, involuntary, annoying, unnecessary, and intrusive. And it's creating discomfort, resentment, and anger among those who now feel forced or shamed into tipping, and to do so at unexpected businesses and locations where they were not expected to leave a gratuity in years past, such as dry cleaners, liquor stores, donuts, the sandwich shops, breweries, self-service buffets, airport snack stands, pizza places, and drive throughs Lisa Irizarry reports on Newsday.com that the tipping is being solicited through old-school tip jars placed on a checkout counter, as well as their modern iterations, electronic tipping screens that can be turned toward customers by checkout employees to give those paying by debit or credit card the option of adding a tip. And some suggest amounts that start at 15% and go up from there. Names have even been given to describe the phenomenon in rants on social media like tipflation, tipping invasion, tip creek, tip fatigue, and guilt tipping. A controversy that's been brewing all year about the purchase of books by Riverhead Town's anti-bias task force for Riverhead School Libraries may finally be coming to an end. Denise Civiletti reports on RiverheadLocal.com that a majority of task force members present at a monthly meeting Monday night voted to support the book donation on the condition that the school district will accept the books. Task Force Chairperson Mark McLaughlin and member Jasmine Esquiline voted against the resolution, which was moved by Harley Abrams and seconded by Marge Acevedo and passed 5-2. to two. Abrams advocated for the vote on the book donation, something the task force has done for the past two years. He responded to statements made at the October meeting of the task force, quote, the books were chosen by the school librarians, not by the task force, as was stated at the last meeting. The task force did not make any of the recommendations. Also, the cost of the books was not the anti-bias task force whole budget, just a small portion of it, end quote. In the end, with McLaughlin and Esquiline dissenting, a resolution approving spending ABTF funds on the purchase of the books and the list previously compiled is going forward. Southampton Cultural Center, 25 Pond Lane in Southampton Village, will hold a holiday market this coming Saturday, November 25th, from 2 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. It will feature unique items made by teen entrepreneurs and local artisans, holiday collectibles, and one-of-a-kind gifts. Later this coming Saturday at 4.30 p.m. in Southampton Village, the annual Parade of Lights ignites the holiday season in the business district, featuring decorated fire trucks from participating departments, followed by Southampton's tree lighting ceremony in Agawam Park. Southampton High School's Voices of Southampton will perform. Saturday celebration in Southampton Village concludes Saturday evening with a fireworks display. That's this coming Saturday evening. 
A bipartisan group of more than three dozen lawmakers called on Governor Kathy Hochul this week to ban an inflammatory pro-Palestinian student group from New York college campuses that they say has spewed hate and endorsed violence. Quote, for years, a major growing cause of concern on college campuses has been a group called Students for Justice in Palestine, SJP, which has chapters throughout American universities. The lawmakers wrote in a letter to the governor, quote, at their events, SJP members and allies chant things like, from New York to Gaza, globalize the intifada. When people are occupied, resistance is justified. And from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. The letter reads, adding, these chants are from the Hamas Charter and call for the death and annihilation of Jews and Israel, end quote. Craig McCarthy in the New York Post reports that the Students for Justice in Palestine have already been suspended at Columbia University after it was realized the group celebrated the attacks in Israel on October 7th that led to more than 1,200 deaths and hundreds taken hostage. The suspension was lauded by 500 alumni of the Ivy League school. Pro-Israel Brooklyn Councilwoman Ina Vernikov led the lawmakers in calling for the outright ban of SJP across New York colleges, which included eight Democrats and 33 Republicans at city, county, and state level. They must be investigated and dismantled as a legitimate organization, Vernikov said of the group. The Long Island Railroad will operate additional trains on Thanksgiving Day for the Macy's Day Parade in Manhattan. The extra services are part of a larger push from the Metropolitan Transportation Authority to accommodate an anticipated rush of holiday travelers over Thanksgiving weekend. Brian Letter reports on Newsday.com that six extra LIRR trains will travel westbound from Long Island between 6 a.m. and 7.45 a.m., three each on the Babylon and Ronkonkoma lines, and five extra trains will depart east from Penn Station between 11.45 a.m. and 1.25 p.m., with two on the Babylon line and three headed toward Ronkonkoma tomorrow. AAA is projected that more than 55 Americans will travel for the Thanksgiving holiday this year, making it the third busiest in more than 20 years. The economy remains strong, inflation is lowering, and gas prices are moderating. John Rizzo, economist and Stony Brook University professor, told Newsday earlier this month, on Black Friday, the LIRR and subways will operate on regular weekday schedules. The Long Island Railroad will have off-peak fares on Friday. Dozens of firefighters across multiple departments worked last night to put out a fire at the Tesla Science Center at Whartoncliffe, the site of famed scientist Nikola Tesla's final laboratory in Shoreham, Long Island. Suffolk County Police confirmed the fire was reported yesterday at 4.49 p.m. at Tesla and Robinson Streets. Grand Parpan reports on Newsday.com that firefighters were spotted on site an hour later, battling the blazes, flames left out of the northeast portion of the lab, just below the prominent peak of the century-old building. The cause of the fire was not immediately known, according to officials with the nonprofit that owns the site. Members of the Sag Harbor Historical Museum and their guests gathered this past Sunday at the Main Street home of Shana Lahmeister Stern to celebrate the publication of 
Preserving Sag Harbor, the Historic District, After 50 Years, 1973-2023, to by Zach Studenroth. Stephen J. Coates reports on 27East.com that Studenroth, the Vice President of the Museum's Board and Sag Harbor Village's Historic Preservation Consultant, was introduced by Board President Nancy French Ackenbach. Studenroth said he was inspired to write his book, which celebrates the village's long record of preserving and repurposing historic buildings, after realizing that this year marked the 50th anniversary of the publication of Robert H. Pine's Sag Harbor, Past, Present, and Future, which paralleled the village's establishment of its historic district. In doing the research, what struck me is, long before the district itself was formalized and created, this village has had an astonishing history of preserving and adapting buildings to new uses for many, many decades, Student Roth said. As an example, he pointed to the Municipal Building, which began life as the Nassau House Hotel before being transformed into the Sag Harbor Village School. Student Roth also credited Brian Boyhan, the former publisher of the Sag Harbor Express, and a new member of the museum board who designed and laid out the book for his assistance. You not only laid it out, but you wrote most of the articles that I researched, he said, citing the Express as an extraordinary resource. This has been Long Island Local News on Long Island's only NPR station, WLIW-FM. I'm Michael Mackey.